I think it is extremely difficult right now to uh, um, operate churches in this hybrid mode. But I thank God for many of you who have been faithful to, to give your best how to uh, reorganize the church in this very challenging environment. This morning, I want to ask you this question. If God could do a miracle in your life today, what would it be? If He could make significant changes to the way you had been living your life, what would you ask Him to do? Some of you perhaps this morning or this time, that privately you need changes and transformation in your life because you have been shackled by a habit and you need Jesus to liberate you. You need a miracle. For some of you, perhaps you need the Lord to intervene in your marriage because your marriage is on the rock and if nothing is done, it will be gone. And so you need a miracle to intervene, to bring healing and to sustain you. Some of you perhaps that you need a change in your career you, and some of you perhaps could have lost your job during this virus pandemic and your financial situation is in trouble. And you say, God, I, I, need, I need you. I need you to provide for me. Otherwise, my whole family will be in crisis. Some of you perhaps are struggling and battling with your spiritual status. You, you are asking, am I a, a baptized member or am I not? Um, do I need heavenly wisdom and courage to take on those new steps of faith so that I can fully committed, be fully committed to the cause of Jesus? Some of you perhaps may be suffering from spiritual apathy. You just don't care. And, and soon you may walk out of your faith and live like any unbeliever. And you, so you, you need to ask the Lord, perhaps I need a miracle. And perhaps some of you need a miracle today right now because if something happens to your life today, you may end up going to a Christless grave. So I, I ask the question not just to you but to myself, do I need a miracle? And if you turn to the church in Sardis, that is uh, found in Revelation chapter 3. This is a case in point. On the surface, the church looks very normal. The church uh, at this time, they were still assembling together. They were still participating in church ministries. They were still serving the church. But interestingly, if you look at the message that Jesus had for the church of Sardis in Revelation 3 verse 1, the Lord said to this church, and when we're talking about church, it's not talking about just buildings. We're talking about people gathering together uh, in faith. Uh, they are members. They have been called uh, together. And here, the message in Revelation chapter 3, verse 1, the church in Sardis, from Jesus is this. I know your works. You have the reputation of being alive. And here, in the final strike, it is very strong. It says, but you are dead. And here, basically, it means that the status quo is insufficient. And the Lord wants to rock the boat of this church. And He warns them in verse 2, Wake up and strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have not found your works complete in the sight of God. 
And I thought, this is a very strong warning, and especially for us today. Just because we have experienced a virus pandemic does not necessarily mean there will be a spiritual revival. The virus pandemic, like crisis that has gone global, is either sometimes bring us closer to God or pull us away further from God. And, and so this morning, I look at my own life and I look at the church right here in Singapore, and specifically to SDA Church. And I think we need a miracle. The sermon is entitled, you know, if you want to walk on water, the message is clear. You have to get out of the boat. I know when we talk about this story, immediately the character Peter comes to our mind. But before you jump to Peter, let me just, uh, just to, to give you the background so that we understand the story in a clearer light. You know, I think many of us are in the comfort of our boat. Why bother to get out? Because if you get out of the boat, there are dangers, there's the wind, there's the storm, there's the uncertainty. And sometimes that fear paralyzes us. That fear imprisons us. And so, why bother even to get out of the boat? But my challenge for you is this. If you do not want to remain status quo, if you want to experience a breakthrough, if you want to say, God, perform a miracle in my life, then perhaps this morning's message for you is to contemplate the possibility of getting out of your boat and to begin in faith to walk on water. And I think Jesus invites you this morning to say that if you want to experience a spiritual breakthrough, if you do not want to be like the church of Sardis, and if you do not want to remain status quo in your spiritual endeavor and commitment, and if you desire to scale new heights in your spiritual experience that will impact all levels of your life, then He is inviting you to begin to consider stepping out of your boat, out of your comfort zone, and to begin to walk on water. You know, the story, if you turn to Matthew 14, where Pastor James Tam just read to us the key text, but if you look at the whole story, it begins from verse 22. Just before verse 22, you know the story. Jesus had just fed the 5,000 uh, with uh, five loaves of bread and two fish. And, uh, and here, the disciples had been following Jesus all these times of their lives. And they had saw the Messiah performing the miracles one after another. They saw the Messiah had been able to preach the word of God powerfully that would impact the lives of the, the, the followers. And they, they, they had chosen to be disciples of Jesus because they wanted to emulate Jesus. They wanted to experience what Jesus had experienced. And, and so the disciples were focusing on Jesus. But you look at the background, that Jesus had just performed the miracles this miracle of feeding the 5,000 men, excluding the women and children. And this place had been electric because the crowd wanted to follow Jesus. No more uh, the need for the grocery list. No more the, the fear of uh, experiencing hunger. No more the need for budget. All they need is to follow the Messiah who will provide the bread of life for them. 
And here, I want you to take note in verse 22, right after the miracle, what happens? In Matthew chapter 14, verse 22, before Jesus walks on water, He spends time with His Almighty Father in prayer. In verse 22, it says that immediately Jesus made the disciples to get into the boat and go on ahead of Him to the other side while He dismissed the crowd. And after He had dismissed them, He went on the mountainside by Himself to pray. Later that night, He was there alone. You know, the Bible says, uh, and you can see from the screen, that it says that He dismissed the crowd. He dismissed His disciples. He was alone. Where did he, what, what, what did He do? He went to the mountainside by Himself to pray. Before Jesus could walk on water, before He could perform miracle for the kingdom of God, He spends time with God alone. Now, if Jesus is the Savior of the world, the Redeemer of our souls, and the Sustainer of our lives, and if He is truly the Son of God, and He needs to spend time with the Almighty Father, and if you and I want to experience miraculous intervention, then we need to catch this point that we need to be in the presence of God. It's interesting because during the virus pandemic, more and more people are working from home. You worship at home. Uh, everything is done online. And the recent statistic in Singapore shows that on the average, Singaporeans spend six to seven hours a day online. Wow. <laughs> but if you go on to the details, spend a lot of time uh, uh, watching uh, drama, videos, movies, gaming, and all kinds of things. Shopping, you know, recently there's a big sale on the November 11-11. Uh, the, the world has gone crazy in, in commercial online shopping. But my point is this, that we spend a lot of time with many other things. How much time do we spend with God? And especially in a fast-paced society, everything is on the go. And, and today we are easily distracted. Isn't it true? Everything is distracted. Even if you are looking, using your mobile phone, you have notification one after another. And, and we are bombarded with so many um, uh, information that we are overwhelmed at times. But here is the preamble to the miracle that Jesus is soon to perform. That before Jesus walks on water, are you with me? This, we always think that Peter is the one who, who, who walks on water. But before Peter walks on water, it is the Lord Himself who first walks on water. And, and I think it is important for us to recognize this, that in the busyness of our lives, many of you, I know you have family, you have children, uh, you have all your responsibilities planned, set a time with God. Because if you do not have the connection with the Almighty God, then there's no divine power that is flowing from above to you. You know that day, uh, someone told me the computer broke down. I said, really? He said, yes. All of a sudden, we could not switch on the computer. It was working fine. So they said, it's spoiled. We need to find a replacement. We need to change. You know, my first instinct is what? Have you turned on the power? And true enough, you know what? Everyone else looked at the mouse and they pressed the, the, the power button of the computer right in front, right? But the 
power cable was accidentally switched off. And nobody's bothered about it. Is it possible that very often we, we panic in life, we, we, we deal with many issues in life, but we forget that there is the divine power that we need to switch on. And that divine power is only activated when we deliberately, intentionally and purposefully design our life to come into the presence of God. And here, it is, it is so I want to encourage both those of you who have, uh, especially your parents, you have children, you, you find a time that you can connect with God, the, with the Almighty. And, and I think before Peter walks on water in Matthew 14, Jesus himself demonstrated that he himself will walk on water. And if you want to experience a breakthrough in your life, I, I think if you turn to Mark, I think we have it on screen here. In, in Mark chapter 11, verse 22, Jesus said to his disciples, have faith in what? He said, have faith in God. I think very often we have this very educated understanding of faith that even God can, cannot perform a miracle. We, we, have, we have this, that yes, we have a rationale, we have a reason, we, we have an explanation for anything and everything. But you know, God often goes to extreme measures and He wants to bring us to a point where our human endeavours, our human abilities have been called to question. We are recognising that our humanness, our frailty, our brokenness and our limitations. And that is why in Mark chapter 11, um, verse 22, Jesus says that He's not asking us to have faith in our devotion. He's not asking us to have faith in our faith. He is not asking, have faith in your prayer, have faith in your church, have faith in your financial security, have faith in your possession and influence. You are called to have faith in a person and that faith in God. And that makes all the difference. Have faith in God is the foundation for any miraculous intervention in your life and in my life. And that is why sometimes we get so settled with our educated understanding of faith. And in fact, in, in the same verse, uh, in the same context in Mark 11, uh, there is a condition. And uh, you can see from screen here that Jesus says, I tell you, you can pray for anything and you believe that you have received it, it will be yours. But that's a condition. He says what? He says, when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive him so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. In other words, before God can perform a miracle in you, before He, he brings you in alignment with Him, before you want to experience God's divine intervention in your life, there is this alignment that is needed. Forgive others because God has forgiven you. And it's talking about that, that divine experience requires that horizontal healing. It could be your family members, it could be your loved ones, it could be your colleagues, it could be... Uh, your church members. But, but when we do that, the Lord begins to create the setting for His miracle to happen in our lives. He has done it for the church at the beginning. He has done it for the church of Acts. He has done it for the church at His ending. And I believe today, He can do for as that church. I think God loves this church. God has a reason and a design and a purpose for this church. Many of you have been in this church throughout His uh, last section of the history of the life of, 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 of this existence. And you have seen all the ups and downs. But again, 
Like the disciples, they have been so educated with their understanding of faith. Even though they, they have been following Jesus day after day, week after week, and, and they had ex- seen what Jesus had done, had preached, had performed. You know, we ask the question, God, can you save my marriage? Can, can you break a habit of my life? Can you remove my addiction, whatever it may be? Can you change my destructive behavior? Can you redeem my soul today? Can you remove my spiritual apathy? Can you give me the sense of mission and purpose? Can you remove my heart of stone and replace it with a heart of grace? Can you do that authentic spiritual revival in my life that's truly giving honour and praise to you? Will you bring healing to my relationship? And I think God has promised us that He will do it today if we only allow Him to do so. And that is why we come back to the story. You know, uh, the promise in Ephesians 3 verse 20 is this. You can see from the screen here that it says that now all glory to God who is able through His mighty powers and work within us to accomplish infinitely. The text says what? That He is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think according to His power that works in us. God wants to have His power demonstrated in our lives. And and that is why um, we come back to the story. Why would Jesus want to walk on water? Have you ever asked that question? Is it for His recreational spot? Is is, is that He has nothing else better to do? He's looking for some kind of thrill? Imagine the story. Here we come back to the story in Matthew chapter 14. Many of the disciples of Jesus were professional fishermen. They knew the weather, they knew the storms, they knew the wind, the sea, the stars, the navigation, everything else. But they had never walked on water. Agree? They never walked on water. They were fishermen. And Jesus wants to bring His disciples to a new height in their faith, in their trust, in their spiritual experience. And if you look at verse um, 24 and 25, let me read the text right here on the screen with you. And says here, And the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they say, and they cry out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. And Peter said, right? Lord, if it's you, you know the story is always Peter. Say, tell me to come to you on water. And Jesus said what? Come, C-O-M-E. He said, come. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on water and came towards Jesus. Verse 30, when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sing and cry out, Lord, save me. Immediately, verse 31, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. Hey, you of little faith, you say, why did you doubt? You know, this, this story is interesting because if you look at the backdrop, it's midnight. It's, it's past midnight. It's probably about 3 a.m. in the morning. And Jesus came walking on water. And, and nobody told Jesus that he would walk on water. In fact, there was no Old Testament reference to walking on water. The closest you have is that uh, uh, the Levites carried the ark uh, from the wilderness to cross River Jordan into the Promised Land. Uh, 
but, but you have, don't have an experience that literally was walking in water. And here, Jesus is trying to demonstrate to his disciples that whatever I ask you to do, I have done it. Whatever you're going through, I have experienced it. Whatever you have, you, you're struggling with, I understand. And here, in Matthew 14, our primary focus is always on Peter. But I want you to take note that before Peter walked on water, Jesus was walking on water. And here, the disciples saw him and they were afraid. And they, and, and, and they thought they saw a ghost. It's very interesting, isn't it? They had been professional fishermen. I mean, they have seen it all. I mean, they, they were rough people. They, 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 they were not, uh, they did not grow up with a silver spoon background. They, they understood the roughness of life. But here, Jesus escalated the situation to a point where they, they could not consider the waves were there, the storm was there, and they thought they saw a ghost. And then Jesus says, take courage, it is I. The, the Greek translation here, it is I, means I am. Remember Moses? Remember the story of Moses? When he saw God at the burning bush, he says, who are you? What did God say? God said, I am what? Who I am. In other words, I'm the one who has existed from the beginning to the end. I'm the Alpha, I'm the Omega. I'm the Creator, I'm your Redeemer, I'm your Sustainer, I'm the Savior of the world. I am, I existed way before time. You know, there is the I am. Because the disciples understood the I am. There are the seven I am's. If you look at the screen here, the seven I am's. Jesus says, I am the what? Remember, he says in John, I am the bread of life. I am the what? The light of the world. I am the door of the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth and the life. I am the true vine. I am, before Abraham was, I am. And here, what Jesus is saying to his disciples, he is your all in all. He is your everything. And he can walk on water, so can you. Because often he wants to invite us to get out of our comfort zone, to get out of our status quo, and to begin a new experience, what it means to trust in him. This is a picture that Matthew is trying to paint what total trust and faithful extreme discipleship is all about. And here is the situation. And the wind stopped, the Bible says, and there Peter found the Saviour. He says, Lord, tell me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said what? Immediately Jesus said, come. See O-M-E. Someone says come stands for, C stands for children, O stands for older people, M stands for middle-aged people, E stands for everyone. Come. It's an invitation. And Jesus is inviting us to step out of the boat. Step out of your boat. What is your boat? It could be all the things that we have mentioned. And He is inviting you to say, step out of your boat. Because if your life is changed, if your life is transformed, if your spiritual connection with God experience the transformation, it will impact all areas of our life. It will impact your marriage, it will impact your relationships, it will impact your career, your commitment to church. Everything in society will be changed. And interestingly, Peter 
is the only one who got out of the boat, had the guts, and he began to walk on water. And you know the story, you know the drill? But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and he began to sing, and he said what? Lord, save me. Verse 31, there's a word there in English translated, immediately. Sometimes I think when we pray, we find that maybe God is not answering my prayer. But here, immediately Jesus reached out to Peter and grabbed him by his hand and then pulled him out of the sinking water. You know, I, I think we thought about, hey, Peter is, is, why is Peter doing that? Why, why did Peter choose to do that? Peter is a failure, isn't it? We always remember that. But before we get too hard on Peter, there were 11 covered potatoes on the boat. Uh, before we, we get too hard on Peter, we need to recognize that Peter, even though he experienced humiliation and failure, before you, you jump quickly to condemn him, remember Peter? How many of us have also mass confession? Don't need to raise your hand. Do you experience a social, relational, vocational, or spiritual failure in your life? I think all of us do. All of us are failures. But Peter is willing to, to, to do that. You know, this is this calling of Peter to walk out of his boat it is not driven by fear. It is, it is not some kind of invitation to spiritual adrenaline. This is not an invitation by Jesus uh, to Peter for some kind of bungee traveling, uh, day trading, chasing storms, uh, uh, worthless, reckless pursuits. It is not glorifying the self. Walking on water is not a recreational spot for Peter. The story is about extreme trust and faithful discipleship. And part of the choice is between the comfort and the security and the safety of the boat and the risk of getting out. Are you risking for God? Some of you, perhaps, if you are stuck in your spiritual status quo. You know, I, 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 I remember uh, when I was pastoring my previous church, um, there was a member that, so-called member, quote-unquote, had been in the church for, for many years. One day I discovered that the member was not baptized yet. So I actually told the member, you need to make a commitment. He said, why, why bother? I said, because the commitment solidifies that, that, that trust and faith that you have in God. And the, la the lady struggled for a while. And finally, she chose to be baptized. And, and today, she, she is more committed than ever before. But some of you may be in a different experience. You have been in church all these years and you look at it, oh, nothing is going to change. Uh, the virus pandemic will come and go. But I want to, to, to challenge you that perhaps that if God is speaking to you today, He is inviting you, like in the story, to get out of your boat and to begin to take the step of faith to walk on water. Right now, I know the whole world is looking for the perfect vaccine to defend the COVID virus. Uh, it is said that Jonah Salk, the one who developed the polio vaccine, had failed 200 times when he was asked, was it a failure? He says, no, uh, there are at least 200 ways how not to vaccinate a person. And is Peter a failure? Well, I think there is a greater failure among the 11 who chose to stay in the boat. And it's interesting to recognize this, that 
we often criticize Peter, but nobody criticized the 11 other disciples who had chosen to stay in their boat. Their failures go unnoticed, unobserved, and uh, uncritical. But Peter knew what it meant to, to, to step off the boat. He, meant, he understood what it was a failure. But he got the experience and began to trust the Lord more than ever before. And that is why, after the ascension of Jesus to heaven, you will find that Peter had become a significant leader among the, the, the 12 disciples, the 12 apostles that were trying to build the, the early church. And, and Peter, once he had experienced the miraculous intervention, that day sealed his life. Yes, it's not to prove that he had no longer experienced any failure in subsequent days and weeks and months of his Christian experience. But it shows that he, he began to grow in his faith and his trust in the Almighty God. And perhaps Jesus is inviting you today to his followers to get out of your boat to walk on water. And if you want to walk on water, you have only one option, to get out of your boat. And Jesus is inviting us to do so. I think very often uh, we, we find ourselves in, in, in a rut, in a routine. That I, I, I've been coming to church all these years. I've been worshipping in Asdat all these times. I, 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 I've been doing all this routine week after week. I've been a Seventh-day Adventist throughout all these times. I've been visiting this church. But I want to say this to you. Perhaps you can look at this virus pandemic as a warning from God to the whole world that nothing in this world is permanent except God is. Agree? That things will come and go. Things will change. Only your faith in God will secure forever. And if this is a shake-up, He is inviting you. Say, friends, trust me. Step out of your boat and walk on water. I want to close with a, little, with a story I don't know if you heard it before. It's a personal testimony of a professor at Oakwood College. Her name is Lucille Lessie. And she is a music professor. And uh, you can find this story in the Adventist Review. And uh, I want to read to you as ending to, 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 to talk to you about a, a student who faithfully trying to, to, to keep the Sabbath and to her, that is getting out of the boat. And how the Lord has blessed her. She said, when I was a teenager, a high school teacher told me that I would never be a success in my life and I'll be detrimental to society. Can you imagine that? A teacher told her that. See, it was the first time anyone had made sweeping and negative evaluation about my potential and I was devastated. After completing a master's degree in music teacher, as a music teacher in B College for several years, so much for the prophecy. Then he th I taught college for several years. So then I pray. So she told the Lord, if it's your will for me to pursue a doctoral degree, prepare the way. Unexpectedly, she said, I was rewarded a United College Growing Fund, a teaching fund for $10,000 annually, renewable. This seems to me a notable honour which has been told by a music professional educator several years ago that I had no future. I wanted to get my doctoral degree from Ohio State University. From a pool of 400 applicants, she said, I was only one of the 10 accepted into the program. Soon, I met Professor X, who told me that as a Seventh-day Adventist, I have no chance of succeeding as a doctoral student at OSU. 
the graduate music program was impossible to complete while missing the Friday night and Saturday sessions. What he was saying to her is that if you can't succeed, you might as well drop out. This professor, this Adventist professor wrote, I left his office determined to complete the program and the Sabbath. So one Friday night afternoon, at the end of one semester, Professor X gave the class an almost impossible task. It was the home final examination. It was due the following Monday. And it would require exhaustive research in the library all weekend. She wrote, two hours before sunset on Friday, I closed all my studies and prepared for the Sabbath. Saturday evening, some of my classmates called to wish me success, good luck. They had spent all Friday evening, all day Saturday in the library, and was far from finished. By Sunday evening, after 10 hours of research, I had only answered three of the 10 examination questions. And then, interesting, take note of what she wrote here. I stopped and commune with God for one hour. When I was reading that, I said, wow, that was raw faith. One hour in the midst of all this tension, deadlines, possible failure. She says, what? I need to spend time with the Almighty God because God needs to perform His miracle in my life. Then one hour before the library closed on Sunday night, I was impressed to walk down the stacks and praying silently with tears running down my cheeks. I felt nothing but despair. But suddenly, in front of me, a book dropped from the shelf and fell open to a page of information I needed. I got to understand this is in the time before the available of the internet. Right? It was not that prevalent yet. And I quickly picked up the book and continued to walk down the aisles. And when another book fell from the shelf, books began falling high and low, faster and faster. And each book was open to an exact answer. I grabbed a card and moved quickly down the aisles, picking up my books. The library assistant heard the sounds of the books falling from the shelves and asked if I knew whom was throwing the books. I just smiled to my tears and rejoiced in the Lord and kept on picking up those books. And she ended her story by saying this. Say, by the way, I was the only student in the class who completed the entire examination. What a story. I was reading it. You can find it in the Adventist Review. She wrote about her own testimony. God can perform a miracle in this professor. He can do the miracle same for you today. And he is asking you, just, just learn to surrender to him. Just look to him as the author and finisher of your faith. And he will invite you, like Peter, that he invited Peter to, to begin to walk on water and take that step of faith in bonus and your life will be changed. It could be a little faith. It could be a little step. But that is all it takes to begin the journey with a thousand miles. As the Chinese says, the journey of a thousand miles begins with the first step. And that step of faith, the Lord is inviting you. And I pray that as you examine this whole situation that we are all living in, what is God's message for you this morning? Perhaps He's inviting you to an area of your life that He wants to help. He wants to restore. He wants to bring healing. He wants to empower. 
and He wants ultimately for your good so that you can learn to grow and mature as a faithful disciple for His kingdom. May the Lord help us and help this church to grow truly to be the ecclesia, the gathering of His saints so that we live for His honour and glory till He comes again. Amen.